Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Your Hoops Podcast, Friday, May 31st. The NBA Finals have begun. BJ Armstrong alongside yours truly, Eric Newman, going to dive right in. BJ, we knew the Raptors had to make a statement in Game 1. They had to capture it to keep home court. They did exactly that. What stood out to you the most watching Toronto go up 1-0? Well, you know, Eric, watching uh, the Finals this year, I've, I've I've kind of come to this conclusion, you know, I hear a lot of people saying this was a must win for them. I, I didn't think it was a must win for them. I think the finals and way it's playing out, it's set up for the Raptors to take advantage of the situation. The situation being you, you have a team that's been off for a number of days, uh, referring to the Golden State Warriors. You have a team that ha- hasn't had any game conditioning or game, they haven't been playing any games, so their rhythm um, is going to be a little thrown off. Their timing is going to be a little off. And the most important thing is they have injuries, right? You know, even though they got Boogie back, uh, Andre looked like he got hurt uh, last night. I don't know what his yeah, he update he is. Up, and then came up have, gimpy again. And then, of course, you have Kevin Durant, which is uh, the biggest story. So at some point here, um, which I've been saying since the beginning – if you can get this team talking about the Warriors into game five, six, and seven, it increases your opportunity or your chances to win. And I really love the fact that Toronto came out with a game plan uh, defensively, and they were able to really play not only good individual defense, but collectively as a group, they had a game plan, and they were very disciplined to sticking with that game plan. So I, th- I thought that was the difference in the game. Unlike most, you're not going to outscore them. You're not going to intimidate them. You're not going to, you know, well, I got home court advantage. No, they're the champions. It doesn't matter where you're going to play. They are, the Warriors are good enough to win anywhere. So, uh, but I give the Toronto Raptors credit in the fact that they came out with the discipline and a game plan, a game plan to take away something, yep. which I thought they did an excellent job in, in game so, one. So before we delve into all of those uh, strategic items and I, I definitely want to hear, you know, the specifics of what you saw that worked and didn't work from both sides. Question, what was the longest layoff you had in your career, either before a conference final series or an NBA final series? And do you remember it having a, a drastic a drastic effect, whether positive or negative, on, on you and the Bulls? Huge, huge effect. I, I, I can't remember, but I, I, I remember we swept someone in the other series went seven, sort of like what happened there with the, with the Warriors. And you have like that nine or ten days off, right? Mm-hmm. 
And nothing replaces game conditioning. Nothing replaces game situations. And it throws your rhythm off at home, meaning, you know, kind of how you get ready for the game, your travel. You're, you're not used to being home for eight, nine days at a time sure. during the course of the season. But most importantly, you don't have that much practice time during the playoffs, especially in this situation. And you're not you're used to you, you need that, those bumps and bruises to your body. Yeah, um, and so I, I think I think I, what you're I, nothing and, replaces and I that. think what you're alluding to is when you guys swept the Pistons in '91, and then lost Game One at home to Magic Johnson and the Lakers. I think that's what that is. It's yeah, it's it's you're, yeah. you're so you know everyone's talking about uh, this was a must game for Toronto. No, this series is set up for Toronto to win. The series is set up for them to win because of all of the outside things you can't control. You know. It is very difficult to play from west when you go from the west to the east with a three-hour difference. Mm-hmm. Okay, the game starts at five, but your clock—I mean, the game starts at eight, but your clock is really at five. They're traveling. You know, I—I I, looked—I mean, as an ex-player, I just look at like little things, like okay, so I have to. The game is on Thursday. We're leaving on Tuesday. I'm going to lose those three hours. My family's coming out. I have little kids. To me, that was just a lot to overcome for sure. a Thursday night tip-off. Sure, that was just like too much over. So I, I threw game one like out. Right now, game two to me is the game because now the Warriors can make their adjustments. They can kind of settle in a little bit, you know, to, tonight and tomorrow, and then they can really get themselves ready to try to win this game on Sunday. To me, that's the game. Yep. If you're going to look and look at this series, but. Coming from west to east is very, very difficult. And I think this is what the Warriors are challenged with is they're going into an environment or to a team, not such as a team, I should say to a player who understands this. Kawhi Leonard understands this. And I think Kawhi has taken on that challenge of saying he knows that even though they're playing two games, it's really one game. He's got to figure out a way to win both of these games so that it gives them every advantage when they go back into their building. Because if everyone holds serve, in the end, it's still only 2-2 with a three-game series. And you have to get to 5-6-7 if you're going to beat the Warriors. Absolutely. So, you know, the, listen, it's, it's the, the must-win cliche. <laughs> we, we obviously know all the war, Warriors are, are looking to do here is take one on the road and – get that home court, get that momentum, and then reports are looking like we may see Kevin Durant game three or game four, but a little too early to tell. Before we talk about uh, the Durant factor, before we talk about what we saw out of uh, Boogie Cousins in his limited minutes, what was the number one thing that impressed you about the Toronto defensive game plan against Golden State? The discipline that they had to defend options one, option two. All right, option one being Steph Curry, option two being uh, Clay Thompson. They were committed to that individually. They had a they had a game plan. They were going to stick with this. This wasn't any switching and all of the things that you normally see. They were going to stick with when they when those players come off of screens. We are going to get the ball out of their hand and force them to do something very quick with the ball. One of the things they did, which I thought was terrific, was 
they force their best players to throw bounce passes. So people will say, well, what does that really mean? A bounce pass is a slower pass, which allows me more time to rotate. Yep. So if you watched St- Steph Curry last night, a lot of his passes were getting defect- deflected because they weren't going to allow him to throw the ball over the top of the defense, which was like this team is really locked in. They were locked in as a group last night on the defensive end. Now, the most important part of the game, which, Eric, I talk about a lot, is is how you defend Draymond Green. Because Draymond Green is the predominant initiator of their offense. They put Kawhi Leonard on him. Now, once I saw that move, I was like, okay, this team right here, they're so focused right now, they, they have tunnel vision into the game. Were you ex- were you that forced, were you expecting Kawhi on Draymond, or were you expecting well, I, Kawhi when, on when, on Clay or Steph? When no, when you play a team, when you play a great team like the Warriors, you're not going to stop a great team, but you have to take away something. Yep. Okay. The fact that they made Steph Curry initiate the offense twenty to thirty times last night to me was like. Wow, this team is like actually watching the game instead of coaching their philosophy. Watch the game. Like, coach that yep. game. When you coach the game, Draymond Green initiates the offense, and no one yet has thought to say, let's do something different so that they have to do something different. You got to take away yeah, something. He's, you no, can't just he's, allow he's, Steph He's to the hit. engine, he is the playmaker. Steph he, and Clay are yeah, the most he, explosive scorers. But often that is finishing plays. Draymond is making the play, so, so I'm 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 there so, with you for sure. So the fact that they put their best defender on Draymond was like, okay, this team is committed to the game. Like that's the game. Yep, that's the game of basketball. Okay, he may not score twenty five points, but the fact that he is initiating every play and a lot and getting the ball to shooters left, right, over the top, or whatever. Give Nick Nurse, you know, Coach Nurse and his staff credit for saying, okay, we have a game plan and we're all committed to it. So they put their best player or their best defender on Draymond just to take away something, which caused them to make a move. Oh, wow, we're actually playing a game within the game now. So I was happy to see that. The second thing was they occupied whoever that – Draymond was guarding or defending. They occupied him with the player, which was Siakam. Mm. They occupied him. So that way, there was no help defense. <laughs> there wasn't. You always felt isolated playing the game last night if you were the Warriors because they, they, their, their, their best defensive player could never get himself in position to help. Right. Because if he... If he helped on Gasol, if he was guarding Gasol, Gasol was looking to score. If he guarded Siakam, Siakam was looking to score. If he guarded Kawhi, Kawhi was looking to drive. There was no place for them to get a game plan or get a rhythm to where they could figure out and say, this is what we need to do to stop this team. Because normally in the third quarter is when the Warriors make their adjustments and they are a great second half team. It was very impressive what the staff did. Yeah of Toronto against the Warriors because Steve Kerr said it. He was like, we got all played. Yeah. It, was, it was just, we got all played. It was nothing they were doing their fancy other than they understood the concepts of the Warriors and they countered it 
to me, for the first time I've seen them in the playoffs. Now, I'm interested to see what the Warriors are going to do because Toronto looks like they have a team where they have the length and the athleticism to counter anything that the Warriors do. Now, this is the first time that I've seen this. I haven't seen Marcus Gasol this aggressive all year. He was it was no doubt what he was going to do when he got the ball in the paint last yeah, night. Yeah, well, so in, clearly, in the paint, and, mm-hmm. and, and he's obviously a threat from, from deep as well. I mean, they were talking about, quote-unquote, dare me shots or dare you shots. We're going to dare you to shoot this. So I say that because clearly the Warriors, you know, they hold Kawhi to 14 field goal attempts. He only makes five. He gets to the line 12 times, goes 10 of 12. And I know obviously numbers only tell us so much, but Siakam is in attack mode all night. He goes 14 of 17 from the floor. Gasol goes 6 of 10 from the floor. So you're 20 of 27 from those two guys with Kawhi just being in the flow of the game and occupying the Golden State defense. Add in Van Fleet's continued production off the bench. If Toronto keeps this up and the Warriors don't get Durant back, I mean, this this is this is there for the taking for the Raptors. Am I, am I missing something else? Can can it be that simple to look well, at? If if these guys continue to make plays and make shots with the Golden State defense trying to slow Kawhi, does this signal that the Toronto Raptors you know can win the NBA championship? Obviously, one of the factors. Well, Eric, you know we we give a lot of credence, if you will, or we give a lot of attention to the offensive end. Yep. No. Defensively, and obviously the, defensively, the defense, as you shared, just let me say, as you've shared and you, you called me out for it when I, we were talking about the Bucks series and trying to get the Bucks going. And I made the point about, all right, how do you get Middleton going? And it all goes back to the defensive end because these guys need to play in transition. So I, I, I understand yes. that. And 16 Golden State turnovers leading to Toronto getting out in transition, well, that's a formula for success if you're the Raptors. Sure. And, and, and again, again, defensively is where the Warriors are going to have to figure out what can they do to contain the Warriors. Durant is going to be Durant, okay, offensively. He's going to do what Durant does. Defensively, though, is where I am most concerned with the Warriors right now because the Warriors have a problem if Marcus and Siakam continue to play with this aggressive nature. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so much that they made the shots. It was the fact that they were aggressive. Now, why is that important? Is because every team switches. Yep. I, 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 Durant playing against Marc Gasol in the paint is not going to affect the game. Durant rotating or Boogie Cousins rotating to Siakam with a live dribble in a rotation is not going to affect the game on the defensive end. Draymond Green is not going to stop Kawhi Leonard in a one-on-one situation. This is the problem that I see because it's going to force the Warriors to do something that maybe they haven't done or had to do to this point, which is who they can switch on and who they can't. You can't switch Steph Curry to Siakam. You can't switch him to 
you can't, uh, you can't switch him. You, you can't, can't switch, switch him to anybody except the, the the point guard and the two guard. I mean, that that's the point it. guard. So 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 you so you saying you saying Draymond Green, the the self proclaimed greatest defender of all time, can cannot cannot play Kawhi Leonard in in stretches. What 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 I'm saying is this: Kawhi Leonard is going to Kawhi Leonard in a one on one situation is going to get 25 to 30 points, without question. Just like you can be a great defender, mm-hmm. you can be a great defender, but Kevin Durant is going to get 25 to 30 points <laughs> with enough touches in the game. Yep. Okay, that's just that's just a, see, great offense is always going to be great defense for sure. All right, I'm not I'm not impressed with all of this self proclaimed and all great offense is always going to be great defense. Kawhi Leonard is a great offensive player because he has the intangibles. He has the size and strength to play through any contact, and he has the speed, the quickness, and he has a he has an element that many of us don't have. He has the, he has the hands to play with one hand in the air. I mean, the guy can move the ball around with one hand. That is a huge advantage as an offensive player. So all of these self-proclaimed and all these things, okay, it sounds good, sounds great, but Kawhi Leonard is going to do Kawhi Leonard. Kevin Durant is seven feet when we get done saying how great of a defensive player I am. He's going to score. Yeah. No, and and, now, and to your point, to your point that you made before, if Draymond is occupied with trying to slow Kawhi in long stretches, and let's say they're avoiding as many switches as possible. Then, as you said before, he's not able to help. If he is occupied by Siakam, who's in attack mode, he's not able to help. And as good as Draymond is off the ball, we both know that his strength and the best part of his game on the defensive end is being a help defender and defending traffic, and excuse me, and, and directing traffic and and being that voice out there. Um, he can or- very, yes. very similar. He organizes very people. similar as I get nostalgic, to the Kevin Garnett role with the 2008 world champion Boston Celtics. But I digress. So, if you are the Golden State Warriors, going into Game 2, what is your number one defensive call-out? We have to, we have to, everyone's got to win their matchup. We got to get back to the basics, the fundamentals of the game. Everyone has to win their matchup. This team is deep enough. They're athletic enough, and their best player. Their best player. Okay, Kawhi Leonard doesn't get enough credit for this. Their best player consistently makes the the right basketball play. Yes. There, there are a lot of there. They, the whole, the there whole world. Are a lot of the whole world is now understanding just how damn good this guy is, and a lot of it. Yeah, a yeah, lot of it is IQ. He's he's incredibly gifted, but his basketball IQ and patience is is on another level. So it's like last game, right? His numbers weren't great, right? His numbers weren't great, but his impact on the game was great yep. because he doesn't. Kawhi Leonard doesn't pass the ball to get an assist. He passes the ball to the right person who gets the ball to the right person. That's just as important. The hockey assist is just as important as getting the assist. Kawhi Leonard doesn't over-dribble the ball when he gets double team. He actually takes on the double team, and he's strong enough to pass it out of the double team. Yep. That's the difference. He is, the, he is such a difference maker in the game that 
we just look at stats now because we're consumed with analytics. We just look at stats now and say, oh, this guy's a great player because he got 27 points and nine. But no, how Kawhi Leonard is stro- how he did it. Kawhi, do you, Kawhi, you can't double Kawhi Leonard because of his strength with a guard. Right. Do you, do you understand how do you understand how impactful that is to the game? I can't double Steph Curry on him because he'll just power right through Steph Curry. Right. He'll just power right through. You have to double team him with a big. You have to because he's so strong. He's so powerful. He's so big. And then what he does on the, when he rebounds the ball, he pushes it out. He can guard Draymond Green. He can guard Steph Curry. He can guard Klay Thompson. He can guard Kevin Durant. He can guard Kevin Durant. That, 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 that is a significant thing. How many teams can actually say, I can put a guy on Kevin Durant and we can just play him straight up? This guy went out and guarded Giannis. So this guy, his impact on the game, you know, we, we, we throw terms around, he's the best two-way player. No, he's the best player. The game is, last time I checked, is offense, defense. His impact on the game is so significant, he doesn't even have to score to impact the game. This is his, he does things that we have to, when I say we, the, 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 the people who are like studying this game, when you watch him, his impact on the game of basketball is at an all-time high right now because of what he does, not only as an offensive player and what he's able to do, defensively, in transition, passing the ball, taking on a double team, all of the things that he does to give his team confidence is bar none right now. He's playing a different game than all the other players right now because of how good and how fundamentally sound he is on both ends of the court. First time the Warriors have lost a game one in the finals. This is their fifth straight NBA finals. So there's, there, there's no sense in labeling must wins here. Uh, we all know what's at stake going into game two. With the the prospect of Durant's return happening in game three or game four, is there anything in the minds of the Warriors, psychological, forget the motivation, we know that, but is there anything different or out of the ordinary preparing for game two knowing KD is is almost ready to come back, or is that not even entering into their mind? Because as we know, listen, everybody's human here. Well, no, and and, and here's 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 the thing that that worries me when I see greatness. When you see greatness, it's always the foundation of greatness is fundamentals. Fundamentally speaking, the Toronto Raptors are not going to beat themselves. Because their best player is going to is going to make the right play. Now it just comes a matter of whether they either make the shot or miss the shot. They're, 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 you're not going to watch this team self destruct. That's such a good point. That's De- such a good point because you look at you look at how the Rockets did that to themselves. You look at obviously what happened in the Portland series, which was a blur. But that's such a good point and such an underrated aspect about Toronto is that. And they're, 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 they're fundamentally, Eric, they're just they're really solid. I mean, Eric, when you were watching them last night, it wasn't like they were playing like great. That, that wasn't a, like a, a well-played game. It was just fundamentally they were doing what they needed to do. Yep. 
they were playing the game. Yeah. And some how and it's sometimes there's to be nothing there's nothing sexy or overly exciting about it. It's just or, or, what what needs now, to the, get done. Yeah. So now the Warriors, the Warriors on the other hand, are going to have to play the game at this fundamentally speaking at the same level because you're, you're not going to overwhelm this team. You're not just going to you're not going to overwhelm them with like a 15-0 run because they have a player that they know they can throw the ball to and stop the momentum. Yep. That's a game changer. Yeah, no. And and on the okay. and on the other side of that, when we see the Warriors go into those two or three minute spurts where they turn a uh, seven point deficit into an eight point lead and and pull the momentum away. Last night, you know, Curry was at the free throw line uh, quite a lot, but they never had those momentum swinging runs or moments you know Steph finished with 34 points but 14 were at the line so they avoided those those quick bursts from the Warriors they they avoided those those storms there and as you just said they have the ultimate run stopper in Kawhi as it is Eric this is a this is a different game this is a different game for the Warriors because the Warriors now have to play fundamentally sound basketball, mm-hmm. which requires you to give just the effort and energy necessary. Now, I have no doubt that they have the talent and the team to do it, but it's easier said than done. You know, when you know you can intimidate someone or you can overwhelm them, you know that this team has the ability to crack. The, 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 the Raptors, they're not phased. No. Because they have a, they have, they have a player that they, they have a player that they can – that can take over a game all by himself and and go on a five to seven minute run if need be all by himself if he's not attended to. Yep. And they they have a player. They, they, I mean, they can do some things. I mean, so I'm watching the Warriors' response because now the Warriors know, which to me always sets the tone for a series. Okay, I came here to fight. I didn't see the Raptors happy to win the game last night. The Raptors walked off the court as if, like, this is what we do. Yep. And they had a game plan in place. And now they look like they're prepared. They look as if they're prepared to say, we know this is going to be a tough game. We know the Warriors are going to – they are the champions. And we know the only it's only one way to be the champ. you got to knock them out. And they, be- so, they believe. They believe. And – you know, one point I wanted to make real quick. When when Marcus Soul went to Toronto before the deadline, I literally stopped in my tracks and I I, I I said, This is this is a move that could really propel this team to win the Eastern Conference. And so many people, as you've said a number of times on this show and, and over the course of uh, us doing this show, everybody's looking at numbers. And Marcus Gasol, yes, has had some very impressive seasons, and obviously he was a defensive player of the year at one point. But Marcus Gasol is a presence on the floor guy first and foremost. And I, I think in you know we only we've only we've only had game one so far, but as an X factor for them, and as a, another veteran next to Kawhi, to just be that presence and leader at both ends. I think he's huge. So that leads me to this question. If you're Steve Kerr, did you see enough from DeMarcus Cousins in only eight minutes, but did you see enough in his movement 
and up and down where, okay, each game, can he push DeMarcus a little bit more to potentially challenge and negate Marcus all? Well, you know, Eric, it, it, it is to the – to the to the eye, you you look at the game and you go, you know what, Demarcus. You look at the size, right? You say the size of Demarcus Cousins matches the size of Marcus Soul. Marcus Soul has a huge advantage over the rest of the players right now in the league at the center position because he has a guy that plays not only behind him, plays beside him that allows him to play with an advantage every single night, and that is Serge Ibaka. Mm-hmm. So. DeMarcus would have to play against 12 fouls. Only, he only has six fouls to give. And if he gets in foul trouble, then that, that eliminates his effectiveness. Okay, DeMarcus Cousins right now, looking at, the, looking at the game, is going to have to, you know, he would have to provide a defensive presence on the floor, and that would require him being the last line of defense, which he's going to have to take some fouls for the betterment of the team. Now, Serge Ibaka and... And, and Marcus Gasol are very capable offensive players. Both of them can finish around the basket. So I, and, and, both, I think, and both can force and, DeMarcus or whoever else is guarding him to have to come yes. out. They have to play those guys. Okay. DeMar- both of those men that we're talking about, they're men. Okay. Serge Ibaka is a man. Okay. Marcus Gasol is defensive player of the year. And Mark, I saw Marcus Gasol battle Joel Embiid. Okay. Yep. That, that, that just he can take on the physicality of the game. I would argue right now that DeMarcus physically isn't at the top of his game. He's getting back. He's getting back to where he needs to be, but physically he can't be at the top of his game right now because no, too much time. he hasn't had too the much repetition. Time it's, you know, he's coming back from a significant injury this year. Then he got injured again. So he's just, he's just trying to feel his way through right now. I, I just think it's too big of a hurdle for him or ask him at this point because he is a competitor, but you can't ask him to do something right now where you're saying he's missed all of training camp. He missed a significant part of the season. He missed most of the playoffs. And then all of a sudden we're asking him to give this superhuman effort in the NBA finals. I think it's a so, little, over, so get, little much. So getting a game two double-double out of Boogie is not likely. Well, you get in a, 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 a game too, but you're. But what is he going to give up on the other end? Yeah. Well, d- defensively is is really where they have some tough decisions to make with him for sure. Yeah, yeah. because because here, here's what you're going to give up with Boogie. Here's what you're going to give up. When Boogie came in the game last night, the first thing that the that the the Raptors did was they ran screen roll at him, mm-hmm. which is going to affect, which is going to affect the rotations of everyone else. Because clearly, you're not going to switch Boogie onto Kawhi. You're not going to do that. So if you, you, but you have to stop Kawhi. The ball has to stop. So that's, so now you have you gotta, offensive you trap, rebounding. You got to trap and make you him give trap. it up. Yep. Now, Kawhi Leonard, again, fundamentally, is always going to make the right play for the most part. So now that gives them, you got Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol in offensive rebounding position with smaller guys rotating to them. And that's what you saw last night. And you have another player that is just active who requires my full undivided attention in Siakam, who's long and athletic. So these are the decisions that Steve Kerr and the staff are going to have to make, which 
I'm not saying one's right or the other. You got to get a feel for the game. Maybe Kawhi has an off night. I don't know. Maybe somebody's not shooting the ball well. Whatever it is, when you look at their roster, when I say their roster, when you look at the Raptors roster, the roster, the, 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 the team that they have on the floor has the capability to counter whatever the Warriors are going to do. Now it just comes down to who's going to execute. If they're making shots, they have not only the ability to shoot the right shot, they can get the offensive rebound if they start double teaming with Boogie on the floor. You know, it's super interesting. It's, it's the simplest thing. This is the first time the Golden State Warriors are playing a non-LeBron James-led team in the NBA Finals. And it's it's got to be strange for them. It's it's really got to be strange because even, you know, obviously three out of the, well, actually only two out of the four years you had a healthy Kyrie Irving because he got hurt in game one of the 2015 Finals. But the dynamics of what they're facing, whether it's the persona of the team, the structure of the roster, obviously the talent, Kawhi Leonard as the head of the snake versus LeBron James is a completely different kind of basketball player. It's got to be really interesting sitting there on the Golden State side going through that adjustment. It's, it's, it's such an obvious thing, but I think it's kind of been under-discussed a bit because we've gotten so comfortable with this playoff and now final without LeBron in it. But it's, it's well, really it's, interesting to think about. Well, the, the one thing that's really interesting when, you, when you're watching the games and you're watching the Cleveland Cavaliers is LeBron James, from what I could see, kind of figured out that if he could match himself up against, against uh, Draymond Green mm-hmm. late in the game, he liked, the, he liked his odds. Yep. Now, the Cleveland Cavaliers always have known this. If I could keep the game close, in the later stages of the game, I have the ability to get a shot off with Kyrie Irving. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> LeBron James, they knew that they could take Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love. Kevin Love, was he, he is like their version of Siakam. He, he, Kevin Love requires your attention, yep. right? He requires your attention. So, so when, they, when the Warriors went small, LeBron James and Le- Draymond Green could cancel each other out. Because whoever uh, Steph Curry was guarding, we were going to put him, involve him in the screen and roll. This is the the matchups that you you like to see when you're playing championship caliber basketball. Steph Curry in the final stages of the game could not hide. No, the chess chess match is real. The chess match is real. So putting you on the spot, putting you on the spot. Game two, hyped crowd. Toronto believing now more than ever after game one. Uh, who's walking out of game two with the win and why? I'm going to say I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at the teams and say this. I, I got to give the Warriors – I have to give the Warriors the respect because the Warriors have done it. On paper, though, on paper, I like the Raptors. But they have to do it. It's easier said than the done. More, and the I, more I we're talking about the, this, the more this is pointing in Toronto's I just, favor. I just, it really does. I just, I just like the, I like the, I like the Raptors in, in, in this. 
they have the fundamentals to win this series. They do. And when you have talent, see, everyone has talent. But talent with no fundamental base to it is just talent. This team is a very fundamentally sound team. Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry, fundamentally speaking, is pretty good. When I say pretty good, he's he does things even though he doesn't have the numbers. Like he doesn't have he's he's not having like these twenty five sure. and twelve games or but fundamentally speaking, what he does, he initiates the offense, he he grinds the game out, he carries on his defensive assignment, he gets the ball to the right people, he does his leadership and all of the things that, that that's championship caliber basketball. Fundamentally speaking, I like the Raptors because they have the personnel to counter what's going on on the court. But they haven't done it. So this is the, the, the this is what I'm saying. So if if I could just look at it on paper and just look at the games and say, you know, if I didn't know who the Warriors were and I didn't know who the Raptors were, I would say the Raptors that's a better team right now. They're deeper, they're they're athletic. They can count. They can play big. They can play small. They have a player that's going to require the Warriors to double team no matter who's on the floor, and they're going to be able to get shots. Now, but the Warriors have already done it. They have. They have. I think we're going to. I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see a great game on. uh, on I think we're going to. I think this is going to be a great series. But if the war, if the Warriors aren't careful in game, game two is going to be the most telling of the series because. For the Warriors, they're going to make their counters. For sure. If the Raptors can absorb the punch, and then if the Raptors win by 10 or more points, then the Raptors will they will close that series out. Wow. Because – and the reason being, the reason being is because the Warriors didn't establish in game one what every team wants to establish. We know we can stop you. We just didn't shoot the ball well. See, when you don't shoot the ball well, you, you're, you're confident. You're like, we just missed shots last night. The Raptors, got, how many times do you watch the game and you actually see the Warriors get stopped two or three times in a row? When they don't score, you're like, oh, wow, <laughs> what's going on? Yep. The Raptors were able to get multiple stops versus the Warriors. Now, that was very telling for the Raptors. But you didn't see the same intensity on the defensive end with the Warriors because that's what the Warriors do. The Warriors' offense is always dictated by what they do on the defensive end. They did not establish what they could do defensively versus this team in game one, which is a very concerning thing for that coaching staff over there because if you get a team who feel that they can get a shot off against you and whatever you're doing, then they they have a huge advantage. So the Warriors have to come out in game two and not only establish what they can and can't do versus a team on the defensive end, they have to win the game. So there's a lot of moving parts going on to game two because if the, if the Warriors don't do this in game two, the, the Raptors will go there and they'll finish this thing out and finish it quickly. So speaking of fundamentals, defense, and championship moments – I uh, had the opportunity last night to attend a screening for Quiet Storm, which is the Ron Artest slash Metal World Peace story. And not only is the film outstanding, which is directed by uh, a friend of mine and an old friend of Bruce Bernstein, uh, talented director named Johnny Sweet, 
the film was a Bleacher Report Showtime collaboration. So not only did I get another look at the film, but I got to spend time uh, with Meta and his, his Queensbridge crew last night. And when I tell you we could have sat at this table with the game on telling stories, you know, through, through the morning, we'd still be there now as long as they were bringing uh, drinks and meals. And, you know, such an interesting connection for you since you were in the Chicago front office when he was drafted. So I, I really want to, you know, quickly get your thoughts on, you know, just how the journey has worked out for him, which is obviously very positive right now. And part of his film is uh, a big part of Mental Health Awareness Month and, and that movement and how important uh, that is for our society. And a, a lot of that work is starting to be done in sports. But, you know, before before um, speaking quickly on his journey, what was it like uh, making that selection and what do you remember about him as that young talent coming out of St. John's and, and going to the NBA? You know, Ron, Ron what, what is he, Meta World Peace now? Is that his, is that we his can, name? Yeah, we'll, stick with, uh, we'll stick with Meta. We'll stick with Meta. Yeah. Um, you know, Ron Ron, as we knew him back then, he, he's one of my favorite characters in the NBA. He's one of my favorite um, that I've had an opportunity to work with to play with and um just watching him he he was to watch his growth as a person and as a player has been it's been really one of the more remarkable things I've seen watching him walk in as a young man from St. John's in Queensbridge to watching him now as a father and having the self-awareness of understanding his issues and what he's had to deal with and how he's had to overcome them to me has been like one of the great things I've seen in sports. Um, you know, I, I've watched Ron. I, I was there when Ron was drafted. Um, part of the, the, the process, if you will, was I made my transition from a player into the front office and Ron Ron was right there. And uh, so having the opportunity to work with him was one of the more unique things I've I've had a chance to experience and to watch him. So he's he's one of my favorites for many reasons. In saying that, Eric, um, I'm really happy for him. I'm I'm happy because I know the 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 difficulties and the things he's had to overcome to get to where he's at. And uh, I'm always rooting for Ron. Of course, he you know it's well documented his mistakes, but we've all had mistakes and we've all done things. But this young man's heart has always been in the right place. And uh, one, of my, one of my favorite Ron stories, Eric, is when we brought in Charles Oakley one year mm -hmm. to play with Ron Artest. And I thought Ron, Charles Oakley's impact on Ron Artest gave him a huge confidence because he was always a great defensive player. He was always, you know, he was strong, he tough-nosed kid. But Charles Oakley allowed him to see what intimidation will do in this league. Yeah. And once he learned that from Charles, I thought, you know, he his game just elevated because not only was defensively he was going to provide you the toughness and all the things you need as a defensive player because he had great physical gifts to be a great defensive player, but mentally he learned that from Oak. And I always pointed that out to him, and I think Ron will tell you that was probably a significant moment for him playing with Oak for that year allowed him to see 
you know, who's tough and who's not. There are a lot of people coming in this league. Everyone, everyone's tough, right? Until you get out there and play. And playing with Oak for that year gave him an advantage to me that allowed him to play with that edge that you need to pl- to play the game at that level. And he went on to be defensive player of the year. And he had a couple years in there, Eric, where he he might have been up there for like MVP of the league, you know, where he yeah, really his, played the game at a very high yeah, level. I mean, obviously Oakley such a tremendous guy to learn, you know, those, those skills and mindset from. And I think people forget, and they're going to see it in this film, which uh, debuts Friday night on Showtime, Quiet Storm. That Indiana Pacers team was a championship caliber basketball team. And the fact that they didn't get there and then he had the shot at redemption when he joined Kobe and the Lakers. And, um, you know, watching him make that shot against the Celtics and, you know, pulling my, my fanship out of it, watching it in the, in the film and then being in the room with him and his family last night and them seeing that and the joy and the joy that it brought to him. And then he's thanking his, his, his shrink post-game, his psychologist, his doctor, his support system. was just such an incredible moment for him and, and to show what the game can do for people. And uh, really, yeah. really, really special. Yeah, the evolution of Ron has been amazing because – you know, he, he, he's so authentic to who he is. And, and, and that's the one thing I, I love about Ron is the authenticity of Ron Ron. And I don't know, I always call him that. Um, it's just that's who he is, he, whether the camera's on, or the camera's off. You know, he, he, he's a straight shooter. He's going to tell you like it is. And as a teammate, you always appreciated that in him. Uh, because you knew he was going to give you the maximum effort. And yes, he was going to make some mistakes. And yes, he was going to do some things. But you 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 lived with it because you knew his heart was always in the right place, and as you see his evolution, and his leadership, and him get started to get more comfortable within himself, I think that's when you saw him, you know, become a, a world champion. And to see him now, you know, Ron is a champion because Ron had the self awareness to you know you know, learn about himself. And that's what we're all trying to do. Like he answered the question, who am I? And that's a very important question that we all have to answer. And, and Ron Ron did that. He's doing that. So he'll always be a champion to me. Cause I, I, I saw this young man where he came in and to see him now. And every time I see him, you know, I, I just give him a hug, you know, and uh, because you know what, you know, that that to me is what life is all about. And uh, so I always applaud him and I know it's a great piece and I can't wait to see it. But, you know, he's a, he's a great kid. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, I always, you know, rooting for him and his family because I know he's always trying to be the very best that he can be. Great way to close the show today, my friend. Terrific job. Quiet Storm debuting on Showtime this weekend. And uh, since DeMarcus Cousins is back, I feel much better about plugging The Resurgence, the DeMarcus Cousins documentary I was lucky enough to create with Showtime on Showtime On Demand. So in your NBA Finals lull between games, catch up on all that great storytelling. BJ, great job today. Special thanks, of course, to Bruce Bernstein, Ben Wolfen, and the entire Pure Hoops Media team. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy a great game, too. We'll be back next week as the finals move forward. Enjoy, everybody. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. 
New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.